You're listening to the Promised Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Good morning. I know this isn't camera approved, but I'm going to need it. And it's a lot easier to drink out of than this. How are we doing this morning? Good. The scripture is literally happening where we say he must increase and I must decrease. It's happening. All of the above. It's really good. Okay. I'm not really sure how this is going to go, to be honest. <laughs> I've been, uh, it's a good thing we're not in a performance-driven culture because I haven't been able to speak much this morning because I've been crying the whole morning. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> so let's, let's just turn our attention to the Lord and just, just pray real quick before we do anything. Jesus, we love you so much. Lord, our hearts are burning for you. Lord, we want more of you. God, we want to see you. Lord, I ask for a a grace to come upon your people today. To have a singleness of focus. To have a simplicity of priority, Lord. To run after you and to pursue you with all that they have. God, we are not interested in good services and good messages. We are interested in you. And we just want you, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would stir a hunger in your people, Lord. That that hunger would turn to desperation. God, that the distractions of the world would pale in comparison. That all we would desire to see and all that we would desire to be about is you. Lord, we love you so much. Have your way in this time, Lord. Just speak your heart today. Let us have open ears to hear, open hearts to receive. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We've been talking the last month or so, a few weeks, about different things, different themes, no plan B, going deeper in the Lord, and again, that that emphasis of no plan B and, and going deeper isn't going deeper in a topic or a theme, it isn't going deeper in a strategy, it's going deeper in the person of Jesus, and knowing Him more deeply and more intimately and more closely. When we say no plan B, we mean total surrender. We mean you're all in. There's no other options. And you're running hard after Jesus. And he's all that you want and all that you need. We've been using this scripture over the last couple months, Joshua 3, 5, where Joshua says to the people of Israel, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. (laughs) 
And we, we believe that. We, don't, we believe that the tomorrow is just on the horizon. It might be literally tomorrow. It might be today. It might be a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now. We don't know. But we believe the Lord is calling us up to a place in Him where it requires consecration. It requires setting yourself aside for the Lord to pursue Him with all that you have. I'm going to say this later on, but I'm going to say it right now. Consecration is not an event. Consecration is a change of your lifestyle where it doesn't just happen for a moment or a season. It's something that you live with for the rest of your life. Why the consecration? Why the fasting? Why the prayer and fasting? Well, our number one priority must always be, must always be, our number one desire must always be, and our motivation must always be that we do everything to see him, to seek his face, to know him more. Everything that we do must be from that place, from that motivation, from that desire. What does it mean to seek the face of God? What does that mean? If you want a title for the message today, if you're into those things, you could put down, seeing the invisible one. Seeing the invisible one. What does it mean to seek the face of God? You hear this talked about, you hear it in church, you hear us say it, you hear it prayed, it's in the Bible. David writes about it constantly through the Psalms about seeking the face of God. The face of God also means his presence. His face is his presence. And so when we say seek his face, we're seeking his presence. And his presence is connected to who he is as a person. You can't separate the person of God and the presence of God. We've said this before many times, but if I'm in the presence of Scott, that means he's in the room. So if we say we're in the presence of God, that means the person of God is in the room. And when we say we want to seek his face, that means we want to pursue knowing him and seeing him more and more clearly. We live in this constant faith tension as believers, as followers of Jesus, where we're in this place of following, believing in, and loving an invisible God, right? We're gathered here today for him. It's about him. We're here to worship him. We're talking about him, but visibly, where is he, right? This is that place of, of trust, that place of faith, where you can see even though you can't see where you can feel something supernatural that you can't explain with words at times, where he is there and you know it, but you can't necessarily like, reach out and touch him or see him. But I really believe, I personally believe that it is possible to literally see his face, that it is available to us. Many have, many more will. I want to be one of those, to see his face. So how can you see the face of God? How can you see him if he's invisible? We say these things like, 
what you behold, you become. What you behold, you become. Or the essential Christian message is not behave, it is behold. What does that mean? Behold the face of God. Behold his person. Behold his presence. What does it mean to behold the Lord? It means to give him your attention. It means to give him your affection. It means to give him your time and your full focus. It means to give him the pursuit of your life. Many of us are distracted with so many other things, caught up in the complexities of so many things of life, pursuing so many other ambitions and goals and dreams. And Jesus invites us into a place of simplicity where it's all about him, where we pursue him more than anything else. Your mouth gets really dry when you fast, in case you're wondering. It's amazing how much water you drink and it still doesn't matter. Through eyes of faith, you can see the invisible one. Through eyes of faith, you can behold God in such a real and tangible way, as if he was standing right in front of you. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus. The Father's only sermon and his, his only message is, this is my Son. This is my Son, Jesus. Listen to him. The Father hasn't changed the subject. The Holy Spirit's mission is to reveal Jesus to every person, every lost person, every person who doesn't know the Lord, but he's also wanting to reveal Jesus to us more and more every day. Reveal him to us in the scriptures. Reveal him to us in our devotion time, in our prayer time, in our secret place. He wants to reveal Jesus because the Father and the Spirit are consumed with their love for him. And he wants us to be the same way. Jesus is not explained. Jesus is not explained. He is revealed. I could try to explain to you and give you facts and information and, and quote scriptures and all these different things to you to try to explain Jesus. But the best way for you to receive anything is for you to see him and encounter him, for him to be revealed to you personally. This is why we love partnering with Scott and, and Jad, because in that place, in, in, the, in the Jad card, you get to a point where you invite the Holy Spirit to come, and what you're doing is saying, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus. Because the question is, if Jesus were standing right here in front of you, would you open the door of your heart? And so we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to that person, because that's the only way for them to really receive him. We could debate, we could discuss, we could have all kinds of arguments and get nowhere. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit rips the veil off of your eyes and you feel his presence. You see, the, you see Jesus and it's like, why would I not say yes? We all need a fresh and have regular encounters with the Lord that transform us. I don't know about you, but I am not content to be the same I am right now, a year from now. We, we must encounter the Lord. He must transform us. Jesus is not interested in changing you. He wants to make you brand new and transform you. Changing you has the idea that you stay the same in some elements. 
God's plan was for us to die to ourselves and to become a new creation in him where all old things have passed away and are dead and everything is brand new. He wants to transform me and that comes through an encounter with him. That comes through experiencing him and the Holy Spirit changing you. We were meant to experience God. We were meant to experience him in our senses. We were meant to experience him in all of our senses, in our, our smell, our taste. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We were meant to experience him in our hearing, in our seeing, in our feeling, in our touch. This gospel, this Jesus was not meant to be intellectual, was not meant to be logical. You can't understand everything about him. So stop trying and just receive him and pursue him. You, you, you can't get to a place where you think that you don't need to experience him. We were meant to experience him. Every single one of us, all the time. We must chase after him. We must pursue him. We, want, we must go after him until we catch him. When I'm not fasting, I'm really good at playing tag with a 10 and 8-year-old girl, my daughters. They have a real hard time touching me and catching me and playing tag. I got the jukes. Still a little bit nimble. I'm going to use it as long as I can. And they will run after me and try to touch me, to, to tag me so that I'm it, and chase me. And they keep missing, they keep missing. And every once in a while, I try to move out of the way and they just brush like my, my shirt or just barely graze me with their fingertips. And now all of a sudden, the chaser is now the chasey. And I begin to chase after them. I begin to run after them. Tag, you're it again. This is the picture of one that would run after the Lord. This is the picture of one that would pursue him and chase after him. He's not dodging you. He's not avoiding you. He's having fun and he's inviting you into a run after him, a pursuit after him, where all of a sudden you just might get a graze. You just might get a glance of him and all of a sudden he chases after you and you have a collision. You have a divine collision from him. Yeah, just leave it up here. <laughs> I've been asking the Lord and myself and searching the scriptures and doing as much reading and stuff as possible. What, Lord, are you looking for in a people? What are you looking for in a person that causes those divine collisions? What are you looking for in a people where all of a sudden a sovereign move of God happens and a divine collision takes place? Where heaven and earth intersect and meet and the presence and power of God is on display like never before. 
And I'm not saying I have the whole thing figured out. I'm not saying that it's a short list, but I think it is narrow. I think it is short. And I'm not done adding to it if the Lord has more to add, but this is what I have so far. He's looking for those that will love him. That their highest desire, their greatest calling, and their best, their highest ministry is to love him. You can't have a higher ministry than loving the Lord, than ministering to the Lord, than admiring the Lord. This is why we worship the way that we worship and why God's going to continue to call us up in that. You can't say you love him and not express yourself. If I say I love my wife, but I do nothing to show her any kind of love, any kind of serving, any kind of affection, any kind of words of affirmation and, and, and expression of love, if I, I don't pursue her in any way of love, how can I say that I love her? But yet we often get so caught up with so many other things in this life and in this world, and we say we love Jesus, but he's not our first love. He's pretty low on the list. First love is loving him like when you first got saved, but first love mainly is that he's your first love, that you love him more than anything and anyone else. The other elements that I, I found that God is looking for to, to create these divine collisions are holiness, humility, and hunger. And that hunger really means, means desperation where that hunger is turned into a desperation, holiness, humility, and hunger. We're going to talk about, if we can, talk about it next week, humility and hunger. Today I want to talk about holiness. Holiness isn't a topic that a lot of people like to talk about because they think immediately legalism. They immediately begin to think rigidness and religiosity. But that is not true holiness. Holiness is a consecrated life set apart for the Lord with no compromise. No compromise in your integrity and in your righteousness. God is, above all else, God is holy. And he actually asks us to be like him. 1 Peter 1, 16 says, Be holy because I am holy. This is a quotation from an Old Testament verse. Peter is bringing it back and quoting it again, showing that it is still the heartbeat and command of the Lord for us to be holy as he is holy. Consecration, again, is not an event. It is a lifestyle. It's an alteration of your lifestyle. Some of you are experiencing things right now in this time of fasting that you don't normally experience in the Lord and you're loving it and you're enjoying it. And, and the Lord would say, well, why would you have to change that when you're done fasting? Some of you aren't watching really any TV or movies or you're not on social media or you're, you're, you're eating much healthier and you feel amazing and you've experienced the Lord. And the Lord would probably ask you, why do you need to change it? I'm, believe me, in 21, when this is over, I'm going to eat. So don't think that this is going to go on forever. But I'm going to eat much healthier than I used to. 
I've already felt the Lord convict me on those things. Why, why does our attention only have to be for a moment and not sustained? Why does our desire and our hunger and passion for the Lord only have to be contained to a short season, like January, and then for the rest of the year, we just go on life as normal? It's not supposed to be like that. God, God did the work in Jesus to make us holy. You can't make yourself holy. You receive his holiness, and then you are a steward, and you are responsible to carry it out through submission and surrender to him. And he invites you into, his, into a place of holiness. He invites you into what would seem to be impossible through his grace to take on his nature and be like him. Often we rebuke the devil for the trials and different things that we experience in this life. But in Hebrews 12, it talks about that God disciplines those he loves. And he talks about he uses discipline and trials as a means to work out holiness in our lives. We might need to look at our circumstances a little bit more, a little bit differently. This is what Eric Gilmore says. Holiness is the fruit of being addicted to the maximum pleasure of life, which is God himself. I'm going to say it again. Holiness is the fruit of being addicted to the maximum pleasure of life, which is God himself. When you are addicted to Jesus and he is enough for you, there is no other desire in your heart and in your life that would take you away from him that would cause your heart to wander from him, that would cause you to choose something else that is not of him because you're completely satisfied in him. What is the purpose of holiness? What is the purpose of it? Simply to see him. The purpose of holiness is to see him. I have a lot of scriptures for you. I'm going to go through these really fast. You might not have time to turn in your Bibles, just write the references down, and you need to meditate on these during the week. Matthew 5.8. Matthew 5.8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I really believe that that doesn't have to wait till we die and get to heaven. Hebrews 12.14. Make every effort to live in peace, with everyone, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. The purpose of holiness is to see him. You might ask yourself, can we really see him? Like, how does this work? Again, that divine tension of living in a visible, natural world, worshiping and following an invisible God. And wait a minute, Jonathan, I remember scriptures that talk about no one can see him. You're right. There are those. I'm going to show you a few of them. And we're going to open the mystery together. 1 Timothy 6, 15 says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Exodus 33.20 is the story of, of Moses asking the Lord, show me your glory. And this is part of, Mo, of God's response to Moses. But God, he said, you cannot see my face, Moses, for no one may see me and live. So which one is it? 
How does this work? Why would we pursue something that is impossible? Why would God ask us to seek his face? Why would David time and time again in the Psalms talk about look to the Lord, seek his face always? Why would David talk about I am satisfied with seeing your likeness? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Why would this be throughout the scriptures? Why would this be in the heart of God for his people? Why would this be in our hearts if it was impossible, if it couldn't happen? But what if? What if it is possible? What if it is doable? Does God make exceptions? Does God make exceptions or maybe does he provide a way? Does he provide the way? I want to just share some scriptures about Moses. So it says, to, God says to Moses, you can't see my face for no one will see me and live. But yet there's a whole other portions of scripture that show something completely different. This is going to be amazing for us. In Numbers chapter 12, there's an amazing story where Aaron and Miriam, Moses' siblings, begin to complain about Moses. And they begin to think, I I can lead this these people. God speaks to me too. He doesn't just speak to Moses. I can do this. And so they begin to complain against Moses. And God heard their complaint. And this is what happened. Numbers 12, verse 5. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood, picture it, stood, rep, has the idea of physical stature has the idea of an appearance that looked like a posture of standing. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. This is the Lord speaking. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. In Exodus 33, before this moment on the mountain where Moses asked to show, for God to show him his glory, it was giving a summary, a description of Moses' times with the Lord in the tent of meeting. And it said this, Exodus 33, 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. In Hebrews eleven twenty seven, it says this about Moses. This is the hall of fame of faith. By faith, this person did this. By faith, by faith Moses did this. By faith, Hebrews eleven twenty seven, he persevered because he Moses saw him, capital H, who is invisible. Moses saw the invisible God. If Moses had it, if it was possible for him, it's possible for you and me. But yet we are content to be casual Christians and just go to church and do our devotions and have no real hunger or desperation for him. We're just content to stay off the mountain as the people of Israel did where Moses was the only one who went up the mountain. God invited the whole nation of Israel, Exodus 19, he invited the whole nation to him to be priests unto him. And only one responded and that was Moses. 
In John 1.18, it says this, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus reveals God to us. You can see God in seeing Jesus. In seeing Jesus, you see him. You see the invisible one in Jesus. Colossians 1.15, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus himself said in John 14, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If we want to know what God looks like, we look to Jesus. And Jesus, though he has died, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, and is making intercession for us as our great high priest, though that is where he is and that is who he is, we can see him. It's available to us. Through his blood shed on the cross, through him dying, through his, shed of, his shedding of blood, we can come boldly before the throne of grace into the most holy place and be able to be in the glory of God and not die and see his presence and see his face. It's invite, the invitation is open to all, but only a few seem to respond. And I believe that the Lord is inviting all of us as a church to respond if we are so willing. But it requires consecration. It requires holiness. And following Jesus and following his example of death, which is death to self for us, which is holiness. Death to self is holiness. You can see him. What if it's also true? That if you, you can't see the face of God unless you die. Only dead men, only dead women can see his face. What if the death that the Lord is asking for is the death to ourselves? The death to our flesh. The death to the part of us that denies God, that resists God, that is not humble before the Lord, that wants it our way, that is not willing to submit and surrender to him. What if that is the part that must die? And all of a sudden we come to that place of death in him and now the curtain is fully removed and we can see. Because when you see him, everything changes. Everything changes. You'll be satisfied at the core of your life. You want nothing else but him. You want only him. And you'll want more of him. Real quick, what happens when you see him? What happens when you have an encounter with him? What happens when you have an encounter with his holiness? We're not going to have time to read this and go through this, but in Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah has a radical encounter in the throne room of God. I'm just going to read this quickly. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. If it was available for Moses, if it was available for Isaiah, it's available for you and me. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, two wings that covered their face, two that covered their feet, two that they used for flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at that moment, Isaiah fell on his, on his face and he says, Woe to me, I am ruined. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. He says, I'm going to die for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King. Who's that? That's Jesus. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You know that Jesus is eternal. He didn't start existing when he came on the earth and birthed through Mary. Isaiah saw the pre-incarnate Christ on that throne and he thought he was going to die. And this is what happened. One of the angels flies to him, takes a coal from this fire and puts it on his lips. It's a picture of redemption. It's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of, of cleansing. It's a picture of making Isaiah holy in a, in a holy place. Because immediately Isaiah sees the Lord and he recognizes his unholiness. He recognizes he lived among a people that were unholy. The angel comes, puts the cold to his lips. And then this is what happens. Then Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Before he thought he was going to die. And now all of a sudden he's asking the Lord to send him. What happened? He got cleansed and made holy. What happens when you see the Lord? What happens when you see him in his holiness? What happens when you encounter the holiness of God? Number one, you repent for yourself. I'm a man of unclean lips. You recognize your need to repent. We might think, oh, I'm right with God. I haven't sinned for a while. I just gave that up. I've been giving this up since we started fasting. I'm doing good. I believe the Lord wants to give us a heart of repentance, a heart of brokenness and contriteness. The Bible says a broken and a contrite heart. He will not despise. I believe that that brokenness, that humility is the key to receive an invitation to go deeper in the Lord, to see him in such a real and tangible way. Because when we think for one second that we don't need more of him, we begin to go backwards. When we get content, we begin to go backwards. If you're not satisfied in the Lord and yet satisfied and hungry for more, you're gonna to begin to be satisfied with other things. And then all of a sudden the Lord is not your satisfaction. Number two, what happens is you begin to intercede for others. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. You begin to repent on behalf of other people for the sins that maybe you didn't personally commit, but you know that are happening in your land. This is intercession. We, we did this last night in the city of Kalama. About 25 of us gather to intercede and pray. And what we did most of the time was repent for the sins of the land. God is calling us into this place to have this posture before him, to intercede and, and pray and have a heart of repentance. 
And then the third thing that happens when you see the Lord in this way is you are mission-oriented. You have a mission-oriented heart where the Lord says, who shall we send? And your response immediately is, here I am. I'll go. Where all of a sudden you recognize that before you were unqualified, but now God has qualified you in his holiness. He's redeemed you. He's washed you. He's restored you. He's cleansed you. And now you're like, I want to go. Because you've seen him. And you can't wait to tell someone what you've seen. You can't wait to tell people how amazing he is, how awesome he is, how wonderful he is, how lovely he is, how good he is, how, how awesome. And you just, you just can't help yourself. You want to just spit out words all the time telling people about him. I know that the Lord needs to do this deeper in me. We have an opportunity this Saturday to exercise this at 3 o'clock. You're going to receive some of the best training you can receive from Scott. And then we're going to go out and love on people and tell people about Jesus. This should happen in our lives. Consecration without this as the end result is not the full picture. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. It's on us. It's on you. It's not on just me. It's not on just our leadership team. It's on you. If my people, are you his people? Has he called you by your name? This is on us. We've got to humble ourselves before him. We must pray, intercede. We must seek his face. We must have a heart of repentance and turn from things of this world, things that trap us, things that stop us, things that distract us. And we must pursue him, run after him, to see him in his holiness, and he will come. He will come. He will come. I don't know about you, but I really want to see Jesus. Through Jesus, we can see God. Through Jesus, you can see the invisible one. Through Jesus, the invisible becomes visible. In Jesus, I want to see the one that the Father preaches. I want to see the one that the Holy Spirit reveals. I want to see the one that Daniel saw in Daniel chapter 10. I want to see the one that John saw in Revelation chapter 1. The one whose hair is white like wool, whose eyes are a burning fire, who's clothed in white linen with a golden sash around his chest with his feet like burnished bronze that just came out of the fire whose out of his mouth is the sound of rushing waters and a double-edged sword I want to see him I want to know him I want to experience and encounter him and be never the same and be transformed I want to see him move in my lifetime 
and for the power and glory of God to fall in this region, for it to be transformed and never the same. Where families are transformed, where cities are transformed, where economics are turned around, where healing takes place because the presence of God is so strong. Where salvation happens because yes, we go, but also because they encounter such a strong glory and presence that they know God is real and that he's among us. I want to see him more than anything else. Because I'm telling you, if you see him, you'll have no plan Bs. If you see him, you'll have no other options. You'll have no back doors. You'll have no plan B. You'll want nothing but him. Because he's so beautiful. He's so magnificent. He's so wonderful. He alone can satisfy. He alone can heal the ache of your heart. I just, I just invite this front area. If you, you need to get right with God or you just want to see him in such a real and desperate way, I, just come to the front. I just want to give room for you to respond to this. Moses persevered because he saw the invisible one. Moses persevered because he saw the invisible one. It is possible. It is possible through Jesus. He tore the veil. He tore the curtain, which was his body. He tore his body open for you so that you would have complete and total access to the throne of grace, that you could come boldly before him into the most holy place and be in the glory and presence of God and not die. But it requires a different death. It requires a death to self. It requires a holiness and a consecration that isn't for a moment, that isn't for an event. It is a lifestyle. What are you holding on to that you value more than Jesus? What are you holding on to that you can't give up, that you won't let go of? Maybe it's things from your past. Maybe it's hurts and wounds from your upbringing, your childhood. Maybe it's things that have happened in current times. Maybe it's trials and different circumstances you're facing right now. Maybe it's marriage issues. Maybe it's financial stress. Maybe it's all of these things. I'm telling you, Moses persevered because he saw the invisible one. You will be able to endure and persevere through anything when you see him. Let it go. Surrender it. Let it go. If there's any addictions in your life, you must let it go. You must let it go.
Any anxiety in your life, any depression in your life is a sign that you aren't looking to him, is a sign that you're not beholding him, is a sign that you're not giving him your full attention, is a sign that you're not trusting him because you haven't actually seen who he is because if you see who he is, you can't help but trust him. You can't help but give it to him. You won't have anxiety. You won't have fear. You won't have depression when you see him. He's the Prince of Peace. In his presence is fullness of joy. I know that I may be a little weepy and have tears, but I'm not sad. I haven't been happier. I'm so full of joy because of his presence. I just can't contain it. It leaks out of me. He's inviting you, church. He's inviting you. He's inviting you to see him in his holiness. And holiness demands an expression. You will repent. You'll repent and intercede for others and you'll have a heart to go. God, stir us, stir in us that heart of repentance, Lord. Conviction of sin from the Holy Spirit is not a bad sign. Conviction of sin from the Holy Spirit is not to bring any guilt or condemnation. Conviction from the Holy Spirit reveals to you that He is near. He is near. Convict our hearts, Lord, that we would repent, we would repent for others, we would intercede for others, Lord, and that we would go. God, that you would put us on mission. Lord, we want nothing else but you. You're all we desire. God, stir a desperation in our hearts to pursue you, to see you more than anything else. We love you, Jesus. There's nothing better than loving you. Help us to love you better, Lord. Help us to love you more. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.